Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. First one up, and he missed it. Front end of a one and one. Ninth foul on Rutgers, five seconds left, four, it's all academic. Out top, Palmquist for three, missed it, rebound. That's it. And a big, big, big 10 win for the Illini over Rutgers, 69-60. Here on this Saturday afternoon in front of a sellout crowd. If you're going to get into a rock fight, you better bring enough stones. And the Illini did just that here today, getting the win over Rutgers, back on the winning side. Welcome in, Fasteners, etc. post-game show. Michael Tulip, Evan Kahn with you. We want to hear your thoughts on this win, but first, our rapid reaction brought to you by Cozad Asset Management. For over 45 years, striving to serve financial needs and build lasting relationships with clients. And Mr. Latulip, big sto- part of the story is going to be that 19-0 run, but as is the case here in the Big Ten, the Illini bring the defense and they get a win. Yeah, I mean, I thought the script kind of flipped um, once Ty and Sincere came into the game, and I, I remember looking on the floor and seeing Harris, Rogers, Epps, Shannon, and Hawkins being like, this maybe isn't our best offensive group but that's not really what you needed today uh i know they went a 19-0 run but that was in large part because you were getting stops mm-hmm. and they got stops and not only the stops they, they were finishing possessions you get seven rebounds out of the rogers hawkins adds you know another eight and, and sincere has has two as well i thought all those guys had a huge hand in in flipping that thing and uh, look you get a, a good win against a really good team i know that's kind of been the uh, the one thing this conference season where you've beaten up on the bottom half, now can you go and knock off some in the top half? You're getting more opportunities at that now, and, and they took advantage of it today. Yeah, this is a, a big bounce back for a number of guys. You get contributions all over the place uh, offensively and, and rebounding. And really, the the first four minutes, you, you thought they might have set the tone, but uh, if you take away that part, I know you can't do that, but... Uh, Thought the line I played really well here uh, today. Uh, better shot, shot selection in the second half led to that as well. And uh, again, everybody getting in on the rebounds. And the Illini win by nine. They are eight and five in the Big Ten. That's our rapid reaction by Cozad Asset Management. You're up next. Give us a call 217-356-9397 on the fan line or the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217 351 Five three five seven fasteners etc. Post game show up next. You know their chance at Paul that today were great. <laughs> the following program is an exclusive presentation of News Talk fourteen hundred and ninety three nine FM WDWS, along with Light Rock ninety seven five FM WHMS. Champaign-Urbana, Champaign Multimedia Group Stations.
Fighting Illini game day coverage continues on your flagship home for Fighting Illini Athletics. News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM and Light Rock 97.5. Now it's your turn on the Fasteners Etc. post-game show. Fasteners Etc., your partner in inventory management. Call us with your thoughts, 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Now, your hosts for the Fasteners Etc. postgame show, Evan Kahn and Mike LaTulip. I-L-L-I-N-I, chance up. Here is Meyer in the lane, left wing, Hawkins drives around Mulcahy to the basket, and he slams it in. 4-0 Illinois, Hawkins right around Mulcahy, smokes it through the basket. And there's Coleman Hawkins with two points in the first. He finishes with a game-high 18. And the offense was a little sporadic there in the first half, but when guys were getting downhill, creating opportunities, trailed by four, headed into the locker room, but they win it by nine. Fasteners, etc. cetera, post-game show here on News Talk 1493.9 FM and Light Rock 97.5. Mike Latulip, Evan Kahn with you, Joey Wright helping us out. You heard the numbers there from Gene. Texter says, goody plays, they win. <laughs> Maybe uh, Rutgers still without a win at the State Farm Center since they've become a member of the Big Ten Conference. All right, we've got some calls already coming in, so let's get the feedback from the fans. Finney's headed back from the game to Springfield, and the crowd was pretty solid there at the State Farm Center today, Finney. Crowd was great, I tell you. Uh, yeah, I'm driving back to Springfield with Madonia, my son Nolan, and his fiance Megan. Uh, I tell you what, the crowd was explode. They didn't give us anything to explode about in the first half. But I got three game balls I want to give today. First goes out to Coleman Hawkins. That guy had a terrific bounce back game. Uh, I mean, he's our Swiss Army knife. Not only did he uh, play well on offense, but you know he's always there on defense. Really, they put him. On the uh, the guy that went off in the first half, McCauley or, or McConnell, McConnell, and he pretty much shut him down in the second half. He's he's the most important guy on the court for us, and it's not about what he does offensively. But today, he wasn't taking a bunch of bad threes. He took a couple, but he he kept going to the to the lane. He had a couple of nice. Uh, when he drives the lane, good things happen. When he takes shots from the lane, good things happen. He gets a game ball. I, I also got to say, Dane Danger. You hear me every time I call in we got to run more sets today in danger because that guy has postman can do something, something. So the third game, although, uh, simply put, it goes to the freshman. I thought Ty Rogers, you know, Harris, we out Rutgers Rutgers today. Rutgers normally tries to win with toughness and uh, just being a defensive-minded team. We out Rutgers Rutgers today, and, and we're the tougher team. We're more defensive-minded. And Ty goes after every rebound. I'm so impressed. I'll give it to you guys. Yeah, a lot of good stuff there, Finney. Appreciate it. And I, I mean, when you're, you're handing it out, and it's not wrong at all, but you, you give out five game balls and seven guys play, you're, you're just getting a lot of good stuff from a, a number five of guys. Three fresh. 
Yeah, that's yeah. right. The, the yeah, well, look, let's let's talk about Coleman Hawkins for a second, right? Even though he struggled in some areas, I think against Iowa, but there was also a reason he played 35 minutes in that Iowa game. What he does defensively, and uh, not only was he great offensively today, and and that part of that's putbacks. He has five offensive rebounds. Uh, he does a lot. They ran some actions, got him in a couple lobs, and he picked and pops. He hits a three to make it 47-44, and you keep chipping away at this. And look, he's guarding Paul Mulcahy. He's guarding their point guard um, towards the end of that game. And then when they had other guys, when they had Shannon on McConnell, if he got hung up on a screen, those switches were so seamless to have Coleman. And that's why having Coleman at the five is so helpful is because you're not doing the switch one through five, but you are in drop coverage to where when he maybe gets beat, if Terrence Shannon's guarding and he can't get over the screen or gets beat or screened, now you can kind of seamlessly switch out of emergency. Uh, that's why that's what makes Coleman so fascinating as a not only just as a player in the Big Ten, but as an NBA prospect is because he can do all these things. And there's times I know there's <laughs> hangs on the rim, get the technical, turns it over at midcourt when they're up 11. There, there is some of that, but the good outweighs the bad in a in a big, big way. And he showed that again today. And when he's good offensively, when he plays within himself offensively, there this seems really hard to beat. He, he had their most field goal attempts today. And I don't know, I'd love to see a, a game this year where he did that. It's usually Meyer, it's usually Shannon, it's, it's sometimes Danger. But, you know, you get 15 for 25 from the field between the two of those guys. Uh, they just, they beat them up inside the arc and that's that's a Rutgers team that does not get beat up inside the arc that's a top 10 two-point defense in the country and they absolutely obliterated them uh inside the arc so they're five for 20 from three really didn't matter whatsoever danger obviously we talk about it if you listen to the pregame I nailed his stat line <laughs> I said <laughs> I said if he was gonna have some motor today he was gonna have 15 and seven he has 15 and seven and he got them going early uh Khalifa Murray is is one of the better, if not the best defensive big, um, maybe outside of Trace Jackson Davis with his ability to block shots, but Omuri's up there as one of the best defensive bigs in this conference, and he had nothing for Dane today. And then the last the last thing I'll mention is the freshman. You touched on it. And you're, you're right to give them all a game ball because between Epps and Harris and Rodgers, Underwood mentioned it after the game, these guys are assignment sound. What does that mean? That means when you have Cam Spencer, a guy that – you know, I think they're 13 and five this year when he scores in double figures. You stay in his hip pocket. He's a 44% three point shooter. And that's Harris. That's Epps. They did a tremendous job, tremendous job on all the actions they run from him pin down, staggers. They were just so disciplined. And that's the reason why he had two points tonight. And the two points he did have were just kind of on a fluke floater. So those guys deserve a ton of credit. And then, and then Ty Rogers, man. I, I mean, I don't, his ability to, contest shots and also simultaneously get the rebound. I wasn't there live, but I'd love to get confirmation from people in the building. You know, if there was only one Ty Rogers out there today, because it <laughs> seemed like there were multiple, he's just, he, he's been incredible. And and I, I watched Paul Mulcahy, a guy that's not a great shooter, but can kind of command the game and ball screens and is good defensively and uh, is bigger than people think. I think that can be a Ty Rogers. Um, you know, as he continues to get more, Trust from the coaching staff having the ball in his hands. I know he has some turnovers at Iowa, but jeez, uh, I mean, you, that's a guy where in this day and age, yes, you want to bring in good recruiting classes, and they did that. But player retention is so important nowadays, and you got to you have to keep recruiting these guys. 
And because Ty Rogers is the guy that you do not want to see that guy go somewhere else. And, and I think he's done everything he's asked of this year. And that's what makes the staff smile. It's like, damn, we know when we put this guy in, he's going to play like his life's on the line. And they needed that today because Matthew Meyer was in a coma in the first half. So <laughs> it's, it was huge because not only is it, is it needed every game, but it's needed when these other guys are, ha- are struggling and Ty Rogers ability to defend and, and keep them at bay and, create this run allowed Matthew Meyer to come in and then eventually have water find its level where he hits a three, gets fouled on three, it's a floater, gets an and one. That's, that's why depth is important. And that's why talented depth is important. And they showed that today. Yeah. Thanks for the call yeah, there. The Finney. Oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to say the defense that those freshmen offer and I'll, I'm throwing danger included in the freshmen, but Holy cow. I mean, I, I truly think they may be our best defenders other than Hawkins. Who's, just he should be defensive player of the year in the Big Ten for what he can do. Yeah, well, yeah. His 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 versatility and look, Ty Rogers, Ty Rogers. I'm not even sure it's close. He, he's the best on the on the ball defender in that team. He's been kind of screwed the past couple games on a couple freshman calls, where if you're a freshman and you have your hands remotely on an offensive player, they're going to call a foul. Uh, he'll he'll continue. I, I think he's going to continue. He's going to be in the all defense defensive player of the year discussion in the years to come because he's going to stop getting those calls. He's going to start being more respected as a defender, and they're going to allow him to be a little bit more physical. Trent Trent Frazier was an incredible defender. He had such a good reputation as a defender. He mauled guys last year, and they didn't call it because they had respect for him. And Ty, Rogers is going to garner that, and once he garners that, shoot, I, good luck scoring on that dude. Thanks for the call, Finney. Absolutely. You betcha. You can call in 217-356-9397. Yeah, a texter asking uh, it, what Coleman Hawkins' intro song was, if that's what led to his 18-8-4. He went with Paramore today, which I thought was a, an interesting choice, but it did indeed Do we Do we know out. the song? It was Ain't It Fun, Ain't It Fun by Paramore. I was like, wow. oh, okay. Is a, a little change of pace, but uh, it, it did indeed work. And uh, Ty Rogers is a, a bit of a honey badger out there. He just he just doesn't care, and he's going to be everywhere. That's why you think you see multiple of him. Back to the fan line we go. Allen's and Montrose. What do you got, Allen? Yeah, guys, I was at the game, and uh, for the first half, we were playing right in Rutgers' hands for the most part in the first half. Just like uh, they'd like for us to do. I thought there was three big keys to the game. First of all, we got Clifford Amore in foul trouble. The second foul got him out of the game, and we went to town with uh, Dane going uh, downtown to against the other defender and getting some layups, which helped get us back in the game close. We still weren't shooting very good. One for 12 and three. Second ball. Second half, we shut down McConnell and McKay. They had 20 points in the first half. They didn't have but two points apiece until the very end of the game. And that, that was number two key. Number three key, and I told a buddy of mine sitting next to me, I said, we're going to have to shoot threes. We're not going to win this game without it. And we shot threes better, four for eight. And that kind of broke the game open, although our inside-outside game, was helping a lot, especially when Amari was on the bench. 
Yeah, shot selection is a, a big part of it, shooting 50% there in the second half versus what you, you saw in the first half. And, and defensively, sounds like uh, they, they weren't attacking the ball screens so I don't. I don't know. They they were they were going at it a, a little differently in the second half, being a, a little more aggressive on those guys. Also, as the I think the last caller pointed out, switch guys and and, and Hawkins did a, a nice job there. Well, I still think Amari getting foul trouble helped us out immensely. If we hadn't gotten in foul trouble, I don't know if we would have pulled that out or not. That that's one thing's huge in the first half, and then in the second half, I, I think guys were going, and Dane was even scoring on him uh, down low. But uh, yeah, he I think he was the only guy who finished positive for Rutgers here today. Uh, him and a guy who played the the very last minute. But uh, yeah, yeah, him him not being in there uh, was a, a big key. That's all I got. Hey, appreciate the call there, Alan. And if I could touch on that for a second, I, I was just – this is off the top of my head because I'm thinking about the conference as a whole and the reason why that team looks drastically different when Cliff Murray gets into foul trouble with eight minutes left in the first half. Their depth at the 4-5 spot is horrendous. It's bad. And it brings me to my point, and this isn't – I'm not just like drinking the Kool-Aid here. This is a legitimate question – does Illinois have – I mean, we talk about Shannon and Meyer, and I get Epps has been fantastic. But I think flying under the radar is the fact that you know, Illinois might have the best 4-5 duo in the conference. <laughs> it's not Minnesota. It's not Ohio State. It's not Nebraska. It's not Penn State. They basically don't have a 4-5. Uh, it's not Wisconsin. Michigan State, I- I'll take Hawkins and Danger over Sissoko and Hauser, right? If you want to maybe argue that Murray and Rebracha – that that's probably the only one that I'll give you. Maryland, Scott and Reese, I'm still taking Hawkins in danger. Obviously, they have that over Rutgers. Dickinson, there's no one else on that team, in my opinion at least, uh, depending on where you want to put Jet Howard. He's more, more of a wing. Mm-hmm. But Northwestern, no. Indiana, no. Um, you know, I guess Race Thompson, but I, I probably still take Race you know, one of those two guys over Race Thompson. So, and then Purdue, if you want to stick, I guess, Mason Gillis at, at the four, I think it's it's not out of the question to think that these two guys, that's the best four or five combo. Um, and, and even early in the season when Coleman was starting at the five and you had Dane coming off the bench, that's another, like, that is great depth at that position where when a lot of these teams get in foul trouble, it kills them because now you're playing – Reber and and Palmquist and Wolfhook and like all these guys that don't typically see a ton of minutes and you know those guys went one for eight combined so um I, I thought that was huge and the caller is exactly right pointing that out and and give the Illini credit they went out and they exploited that mm-hmm. yeah combined 33 points for Danger and Hawkins and they were doing it when both were on the floor and when it was just one w- without the other although Hawkins was out there most of the time so it was when danger was off, but that was showing off the the defensive versatility that they have led to seven blocks, and we'll have to pick out an MX electrifying player of the game here coming up, but we'll get one more call here. Marty's out in North Carolina. What do you say, Marty? Hello, Evan. Hello, Michael. Hello. Uh, Good win. Any win over Rutgers is a good win. Mm -hmm. As a former coach, I'm impressed with the fact that Coleman Hawkins – can guard one through five 
certain points I think he can guard. Some he might have trouble with the smaller quickers. But I think Rodgers can guard one through five. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't happen often. I always thought the biggest thing that went undervalued in the 2005 run to the national championship game was that James Augustine could step out on a screen, pick up a point guard, and move him way off into the wing and not let him get into the lane because he could handle a point guard. You don't get that very often. So I was impressed very much with Rodgers. If someone can work – if he gets some work in the summer on, on a little better shot, even though he doesn't look the score, he's a special player. I think he's a nephew to the Richardson that played at Michigan State that left early – you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, he's just a good athlete. I'm very impressed with him. And Allen is very right to say getting Amari out of there is a big deal because he might be the best defensive center shot blocker in the league. Uh, mm-hmm. So getting him out of there makes a huge difference. I, Michael, I probably agree with you, but Indiana on the 4-5 might be just about as competitive with Race Thompson back. Uh, that's a close call. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll give you that because I think T I think TJD slides that scale far enough to where even if Race Thompson's yeah below Hawkins and Danger then maybe it's still yeah, I'll I, give you that I might, that's fair I'm not calling a draw but those those are the only two four five combinations that I think in the league that are on the level with each other I think you're right mm-hmm. very right I didn't think about that but you're very right and that's unusual usually there's there's more than that I I wonder if this uh, if the depth of the in the uh, four five areas slipped an awful lot from what it was a few years ago. Anyway, uh, my question is: this team has a problem being a a poor outside three point shooting team, and I think some of that's taking bad three pointers. Sometimes it wasn't as bad today, maybe. Um, how much difference is Goody? Is it going to take him about ten more days to get in playing shape? How much difference can he make in that? I know he's a good defender. He's a good leader. He's a good shooter. If he gets back to where he was, say, last year at the end of the year, shooting-wise, how much does that change Illinois overall? That's my question for you. To me, anything that he can offer that resembles last year, and in addition to the shooting, I'm talking about his positional defense because that's another asset that he has Underwood talks about these freshmen being assignment sound. You'll, you'll hear that a lot in that locker room. You'll hear that a lot in press conferences and that's what Luke Goody does as well. So I think anything to me, at least anything that you can get from him, that's a positive is icing on the cake. Cause I think you have who you have right now and you're in this stretch run. And if he can just kind of add some things on the fringe and maybe that's, you know, it's probably exactly what it is last year in the tournament where when you're playing a team like Houston and you're down nine early, you got a guy that can step up and hit a three to cut it to six and stop the bleeding. Like, that's that's what he's going to be. I, I don't foresee him having these, and I don't think you do either, but I don't I don't foresee him having, like, these crazy Matthew Meyer-type runs and hits three threes in a row. Like, that's just not going to be who he is this year. Um, and I also want to be fair to the kid, too, because – I don't know, like you, you're out you're out with a foot injury for the entire season. You come into this really, really tight Big Ten conference race. And and I, I've said it before, but what he can add offensively, I'm not worried about that. I think he can do that. It's it's defensively when you have this really, really good defense. When your defense once again flips the game today, 
You go on a 19-0 run because of your defense. Like if, if he's a step slow on that end, there's there's not going to be a ton of minutes for him, especially if Rodgers and Harris are doing what they're doing right now. Because um, if Luke Goody's in the game, he's taking minutes away from somebody. I know RJ um, sounds like was wasn't like a true DNP today. Um, there, we may have other info on that, I guess. I don't know, but so you got to factor him in as well. So I, I'm not sure, but anything he can add that is a positive is just is really icing on the cake at this point. Not as much today. One thing that I thought bothered this team early, even though they got a couple great wins, is that Meyer missed all of the workouts in the summer because he had to stay at Baylor to get classwork done. And Rodgers missed a lot of the summer because he's on Team USA Basketball. And I've often wondered if that held Rodgers back a little bit, just being around the guys and getting the work in with them when they're putting stuff in. Because I'd like – I, I think he's going to be special. I just think Rodgers is going to be really special. And I'll, I'll shut up and let you call in. Yeah, appreciate the, the call, Marty. And, and we saw it, it took some time for them to get it going. Also saw spurts where it just clicked there early on. And and, uh, and they've just kind of found that groove. And just going back to the, the shooting before we pick out a player of the game, Amori probably had a big part to do with that. Guys weren't didn't want to go down there and get their shot blocked. He ended up with a couple blocks, and I think they both came in the second half. But guys aren't wanting to get their shot blocked, so they were settling for threes, and then it just switches. And 50%, like four of eight, that's that's sustainable when you're getting the looks that they were getting in the second half when you're just taking, taking you know, unrhythm threes. That That's what you get in the first half. But the defense is, is what held it on there, and they only trailed by four headed into the half. So... Appreciate the call, Marty. You can ring in 217-356-9397. Let's pick out an MX Electrifying player of the game. MX Electric wants to be your electrician when you're in need of electrical service for both residential and commercial needs. Call 217-359-7293 to schedule your project. And remember, relax, call Max. Could go a couple different ways, but I'm thinking because of all the things that, that he did on, on both ends of the floor, uh, turnovers aside, Coleman Hawkins would be my vote for player of the game. Yeah, no question. And when he has an offensive game like this, they're going to win a lot. Now you look at five turnovers and some of that's hanging on a the rim. They gave him a turnover when it should have been off of Rutgers underneath the basket. Uh, but look, in addition to what he does, we talk about all he does – defensively where he can switch effortlessly he can test shots he blocks shots uh, I thought a really really important part today was when they had a Murray and they threw it into him and Hawkins was at the five you can see him calling and communicating and talking come trap come trap he got Harris to come over um, in the first half or somebody came over in the first half he throws a Murray throws it into the backcourt in the second half Coleman does the same thing calls out for a trap they come over and Harris goes and grabs it so uh, his his value is just so imperative for this team. And it's, uh, and it was on full display today. And look, if he can uh, even just cut out some of the shots, like he had, you know, he had the long three that he really didn't need to take. And uh, he was eight for 13 today. Could have easily been eight for 10, just, just taking out some of those <laughs> tough ones, but there's, there's a no brainer. He's, he's absolutely the player of the game today. Felt like a, a good matchup for him. I don't know why, but I, it, it just felt like a, a good matchup for him. Coming off of the, the Ofer as well, it, 
didn't seem like that was a, a trend. That was more of an, an anomaly. And, and he, he plays a, a game-high 37 minutes for the Illini, game-high 18 points, 8 boards, and 4 assists. And we're going to give Coleman Hawkins our MX electrifying player of the game. Ahead to Sincere Harris, 14-20 for the game, 47-41 Rutgers. Now Tom Hawkins for three. Yes! Coleman yes. Hawkins with a right wing three, and it's good to see him shooting those again. Left corner driving into the paint area. High it set his shot blocked. Out of bounds by Coleman Hawkins. Excellent recovery wow. from Coleman. Wow, cut in there, and Hawkins just came from behind, and boom. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Hammered it out of bounds. That block looked uh, better on, on TV, but great call there by Brian. Coleman Hawkins, 18 points and two blocks and some steals. One block and zero steals, but doing a lot, and he gets our MX Electrifying Player of the Game. Hang on, Simeon. We've got more calls, plenty of text to get to. We'll answer your RJ Melendez question if you haven't already seen it. More to come, Fasteners, etc. Postgame Show. The conversation about today's game continues on the Fasteners Etc. post-game show. Join in by calling the First State Bank Illini fan line, 217-356-9397, or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Shannon on the right wing, skip pass, left corner, Hawkins. Thought about a three. Instead, inside a danger, but a hammer slam. The crowd wanted Coleman to shoot it, but he thought better of it. And Danger flushes it in. Yeah, Dane Danger was kind of the offensive steadying force there in the first half. He finishes with 15 and 7. And Every game you're going to want to get him more looks, but in 29 minutes to, to get 12 shots, and Brad said post game would have liked to, to get him the ball more, especially there in the first half when you, you saw the threes going up. Those are some chances to get Dane Danger the ball, but he still gets it done down low, getting Cliff Amore in foul trouble as well, and Illinois gets the win over Rutgers. Fasteners, etc. Post game show. Mike and Evan with you. Uh, as we said, and some was reported post game by Brad Underwood in his post game press conference. No RJ Melendez here today. He was suspended for team violations. A length was not given. But I keep coming back to it. This rotation, as it's tightened up, is better and weren't really opportunities to sub in even in that 19-0 stretch who, who do you want to change out really at, at, at that point so less is more in, in more in so many aspects just because there is so much talent and you want to get guys on the floor but no RJ Melendez but a lot from the freshmen here today as the Illini get the win over Rutgers let's go back to the fan line 217-356 Nine three nine seven. Simeon's out in Virginia. What are we thinking after this one, Simeon? Hey, Evan and Mike. I'm I'm very happy about the uh, the win today. Um, to your comment that you just made about a tight bench, I'm a little bit on the other side of that, Evan. I'm still in the. If, if you had the horses, I'm still in that Nolan Richard uh, Richardson uh, John Thompson kind of thing. Um, get in there, play as hard as you can for whatever few minutes I put you in. Uh, I think R.J. gives us – I'm sorry he violated rules, but I think he gives us uh, some good defense. 
Um, I know we were looking for a little bit more out of the three with him, but uh, this year, and hopefully that'll still come around. But I, I just kind of be in that camp. So um, if I'm on an island by myself, I understand. Um, when we first half of the game, I thought the drop coverage was going to be like what we did at Iowa, and it was going to be our undoing. <clears throat> but I wanted to give a shout out to the coaching staff for making that change and putting Coleman on uh, McConnell. I thought that that was. Uh, a good adjustment at half. Um, Dane, uh, he just seems to get better. I didn't know what he was going to do against Cliff, um, but he, he he looked like a man out there and spinning around. Cliff Cliff really had a, a lot of difficulty with him. I know uh, Cliff is pretty stout uh, on the defensive end, but uh, Dane gave him a lot of trouble. Um, some uh, Another fan earlier had already mentioned Ty. Ty played fantastic, getting man rebounds. Uh uh, that was good. Uh, everybody's mentioned Coleman. Now they also a lot of people mentioned Coleman's mistakes, but I uh, also saw on the other end with Coleman's defense, he erased some mistakes that we did on uh, defense when we were gambling and and saved a few plays as well. So I just wanted to mention that. Um, you just talked about uh, uh, R.J. and it was uh, one other thing I wanted to ask because I don't know because I, I I wasn't keeping a tally, but at halftime, we were losing the rebound battle to Rutgers. At the end of the game, did we come out on top as far as rebounds? Oh, I know we oh yeah. Oh, yeah. At one point in the second half, I, I think Rutgers racked up quite a few, but it was 22-9, to nine, Illinois, and they gave up seven offensive boards in the first four minutes of the game, and then... I mean, it adds up. Ended up giving up 15 overall, but uh, five five rebound edge overall for the Illini. Yeah. So um, thanks for that, Evan. Um, if we can continue to play defense the way we did, especially in that second half, and hit some uh, some threes that are coming within the offense instead of forcing some threes, I think we'll be very tough. Um, we're still. I think I expected a, a much a better three-point shooting team at the beginning of the year than what my expectations are now. Um, But I still think that we can be a decent um, three-point shooting team if we're not just falling in love with the three and chucking them up there the way um, I saw in the first half. So if we can kind of make some adjustments on that, um, I I think uh, we'll be good, especially on the stretch that we're ready, ready to go on now. Uh, with Minnesota's game getting kicked in there, it's going to be a rough week, uh, I think, next week and the week after. Um, but we have some opportunities to get some really good wins, and I, I think if we um, will uh, not have long scoring droughts and play good defense, we can come out um, with some good wins in, in the upcoming weeks. So, anyway, guys, thanks for having me on. Those are my thoughts. Um, I know you and Michael uh, – uh, straighten out whatever mistakes I've made. So thanks for having me on. As always, we appreciate hearing from you, Simeon. We'll see you on Tuesday because this is that stretch run here where they've got eight games in 22 days. So uh, we'll, we'll be we'll be hearing from everybody. So back to the fan line we go, 217-356-9397. Quinn was at the game, headed home, hopefully safely. What do you got, Quinn? Well, no, thank you for taking my call. Um, I thought in the first half we were in a good spot. We were only down four, and I said I didn't think we were playing that well. I thought, 
you know, losing the battle of the boards. But uh, I felt going into the second half, some of them threes will start falling. And then if we win the battle of the boards and play stronger defense, which we did both of those, that we could come out with a W. So it was an all-around team effort. You know, I think a lot of the fans that have been talking about Ty Rogers and other two freshmen, I agree wholeheartedly. And, and I really do think Ty Rogers brings a lot of energy that's contagious, right? He's going to get after it and clean up on the boards and play tough defense and get aggressive. And I think that kind of play carries over to some of the other players. So great win for Illinois beating a really good Rutgers team and uh, kind of pulling away. At the end, too, I think Illinois had 16, 17 turnovers, but I think, you know, maybe three or four came when we had nine or a double-digit lead. So, uh, and I don't think they were forced turnovers. I think we just got to be more careful, take care of the basketball, and if we hit the boards and play defense, we got a really good team and a lot of depth. Absolutely. I thought it was a lot of effort and feeling out the game there early on. And you saw it with Meyer. He came out and he comes back in and he racked up like seven boards within like 10 minutes. So when they sit down and they do those things, good things happen. Yeah. And, and, and you know, not to look past this game, celebrate this game, Penn State, Indiana next week, but I think Meyer's going to have a big week next week, right? He, had a big game against Michigan State. He had a big game against Wisconsin. And so the first half, he, you know, wasn't contributing like he uh, does uh, in those prior two games. But I think overall the team's got a lot of weapons. The line I have a lot of weapons that we could go to. We're big. We got good guard play. We're aggressive. So uh, I think it's going to be fun here going down the stretch and just getting some uh, – playing good basketball before we hit March. Absolutely. Thanks Thanks for the call, Quinn. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Call us in 217-356-9397. Energy, and, and a lot of it supplied by the State Farm Center, so that was good to, to see as well. And Sincere Harris was a big part of it in the first half. Uh, he was the one who, who came in. I, I think they're about... Uh, after the under eight timeout and got the defense going and it fed into the second half. Another call on the fan line. Lindy's here in Champaign. Hey, Lindy. Hey, guys. How's it going? Doing well. Good. A uh, couple points. Uh, just for, I don't know the stat on this, but I would be willing to bet in the last five games there's been at least one half where there has been as many foul calls as there are minutes played. So there's been really difficulty uh, getting into a rhythm for both teams. Um, and one or two games may have went for us, one or two games may have went against us. But tonight, I don't believe that anybody was in uh, anything more than one-on-one, um, unless at the very end it happened. But it, it was nice. And those three officials have been in games where we all think they're awesome. <laughs> it was nice to have a flow of the game tonight um, to where the players could settle in and kind of learn and understand what a foul is and isn't. Now, I believe Terrence Jensen Jr. probably drew three or four fouls that he didn't get called, but he would say otherwise. But other than that, it was nice to be a flow of the game um, today. 
second, uh, not even really about the game, but you talk about the three freshmen that we ha- you know that are playing right now, you know, Epps, Harris, and uh, Rogers. I believe uh, the two two guys that came in at midseason, Perrin and uh, that uh, the Spanish kid. Oh, uh, Moretti, I believe. Yeah, I believe they're so they're considered freshmen. They probably will redshirt or whatever, and not play the season. But class-wise, if these three kids that are turning out well, and one of those two ends up being a hit, I think this freshman class has the ability. I know at least to be similar to what DJ Paul and Bertrand and those were, if not even hopefully closer to the 04, 05 kids that were freshmen that year. And I mean, those were clearly a lot higher ranked, but just seeing what, what these kids bring to the table and if they do stay here for their whole career uh, and these other two kids that came in this freshman year, I, what's your thoughts on them, them being one of the top classes that we've ever had? Yeah, I, I liked I liked where where you started to to go with the the first comp, but I'm I'm not a big fan of comparisons anyway. I, I think everybody kind of takes their their own path, but it's probably somewhere in between there, between a, a Sweet Sixteen and a national championship. Yeah, I, I'd probably say that they get that that out of bounds call right against Miami uh, that class ended up in the Sweet 16, and we've got texters talking about flying Illini in 0405. And, and and going back to finding the flow, that, that was the most difficult part, I, I think, and you talked about this, Mike, was that, that Brad and college basketball for years, it's like, all right, we're going to build up, and we're going to build this culture, and we're going to get this identity, and then everything was gone, and you're seeing that this freshman class kind of in, in, embodies that identity that Illinois had built up with Trent Frazier and DeMonte Williams and, and that sort of thing. So the, this freshman class is going to find their own way, but it's about keeping them together, and, and I think they got a, a, a lot of talent there. Yeah, I agree. And from what I see in this roster, uh, I hope that Melendez can keep it together. Um, understand he's had a rough year. I think he's that, that fall he took it against Penn State has done a little bit more to him this season than people realize. Uh, he, he hit the ground pretty hard, and his shoulder was a part of it. So I, I hope the kid sticks with it. His defensively, he has the ability to help us this year. Mm-hmm. I think his shot will come back around. I just hope he's not one that wants to take off out of here. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, a lot of good pieces, and, and hopefully uh, Melendez comes back uh, uh, quickly and they find a way to get them all on the floor. A lot of good thoughts there, Lindy. Appreciate it. Yep, ILL. Have a good day, fellas. You as well. We, we're we're going to keep them rolling here because we, we've got just a, a full fan line. A lot of people ringing in here, Joey. I don't know what you did, but you, you sprinkled something on the fan line, so we'll keep it going. Sean's down in Carlinville. What do you got, Sean? Hi, uh, Sean here. Coming coming back from the game, heading to Carlinville. Uh, crowd was great today. Crowd was just awesome, and, and especially when those core freshmen came in and Rogers, Epps, and Harris love seeing a line when, when those three are in. At some point in the second half, I noticed uh, timeout was called, and Underwood stayed on the baseline. Chester Fraser was main coach and on the huddle. Uh, just curious if, if I, I didn't hear if Underwood said anything about that or, or what his thoughts were. He, he did creep in later on. And then Goody didn't play at all second half. 
Cherries, I, I don't know if Underwood said anything about that either. Just would have loved to see him come back in second half, see him hit a shot, but I'll, I'll leave it at that and listen to what you all have to say. Yeah, they're just getting Luke Goody's feet wet. Five minutes, uh, the, the fact that he came in, went out, and then came back in, that was a, a little more than I was expecting in the first half, and things were going so well in the second half with the group that was out there. I, I don't think you were going to see a, a, a whole lot of minutes out of him, but it was uh, uh, good to see him back out there, and, and we'll see if we can get his shooting back into form. Did you catch where Underwood was on the baseline and just – they called timeout, and he, it almost looked like he refused to come over. And he, he seems to be taking a back seat every now and then now. Obviously, there was a game a couple of weeks ago where halftime, seven minutes left, he comes and sits out by himself. Yeah, I mean, I, I can comment on that. It's, it's common at times in college basketball to have a coach that wants a player run huddle, or maybe sometimes they delegate, let an assistant coach run the huddle. But in these particular situations, think about earlier in the season, uh, I'm talking early January when things were kind of going off the rails and Brad Underwood stands there and says, I'm going to have to grab the reins a little bit here. Like, I'm going to have to coach. I'm going to have to be the voice. And he's not letting a huddle, you know, be run by players unless he feels in his heart that they're on the right track and that they're embodying what he wants them to be about. So that to me, that's what that says today. Um, Sometimes, even if things are going bad, you want to just kind of step out and let guys talk through it themselves and not just kind of have this echo chamber or just a coach saying stuff and guys nodding their heads and going back out. You want guys to have input. You want guys to be able to see say what they're seeing out there. And that collaboration, I think, leads to more on-court communication, leads to more connectedness. And, um, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly at what point he did that, but that's always tactical. I mean, just like when coaches get thrown out, right? Last year against Ohio State, Underwood gets ejected, and all of a sudden this team storms back and comes back in. It's it's there. And Jeff Alexander is the one who who becomes the de facto head coach in that situation. Right, right. There's always you know there's always a method to the madness, and um, Underwood's done such a good job of pulling those strings over the years. So um, you know, kudos to him. Yep. And and that's the, the the cool part of being at the game. You see all those different things that you didn't see on TV. Remember when all we saw was Brad Underwood screaming at the players? Haven't seen that as much anymore. Mark's here in Urbana. We'll get one more call before a break. What are your thoughts, Mark? Hey, it was a big win. Um, I, I come kind of late tuning in, uh, listening to you guys, but um, it was it was a uh, good to see Epps out there. He I see him leading. You know, not only is he scoring, but directing, telling people where to go, and um, and I think that that's that's my biggest you know uh, draw out of all of this. Uh, enjoy all the freshmen, but seeing him lead is a big thing. And uh, also uh, getting a win against Rutgers after you know we we lost to Iowa, Indiana, um, Penn State, and everyone that's kind of jumbled up. That was a big win, and that was a critical win to me uh, for us to get today. And um, I just want to get y'all thoughts. Yeah, it was a, a big win. Uh, I, I don't know if it's quad one, quad two. Either way, Rutgers was tied for, for second and getting that one. Looks like a, a quad one win, Mike. Yes. So that that was indeed a, a big win. And Epps and 
That that was a, a big turning point also earlier in the year was nobody was taking the leadership and you can see different guys. There was one point where I think it was like three straight turnovers between the two teams and Sincere Harris was the one like, all right, guys, let's slow down and, and run something. And, and I believe they got a, a basket off of that. So the, the on-floor leadership uh, it w- was was huge and uh, the, the freshmen growing up. Yeah, and, and look, the, look at Sincere Look at Jaden Epps. I mean, these are guys that have been counted on in different times to be the de facto point guard. And when you're a freshman, what you end up doing when you come into this season, there's so much focus on yourself. How's it going to be for me? How am I going to adjust? Pace of play, playbook, offense, defensive scheme. You're trying to absorb all of this on your own. And you can get off into your own little silo and be so hyper-focused on your own stuff. And that's totally warranted because you know that's that's just how it is that's life that's anybody that comes into a new situation so a lot of credit goes to sincere obviously but obviously but to Jaden, who has really become the point guard for this team you start to find your own voice you start to really get some affirmation be like okay i can play in this league i can play at a high level in this league i'm trusted so now it's on me to get us into what we need to run to be that assignment sound guy defensively. And you see it now. You, you've seen it probably for the past six games maybe where I see Jay Neps. It's not a call coming from Brad Underwood. It's coming from Jay Neps. Mm-hmm. This is what we're getting in. It's your job to set the table. It's your job to weather the storm. He did that in a huge way at Iowa. And I saw him again today. He didn't have his most efficient day from the field today. But, man, he was just he, – he's done such a good job of having that type of command because I don't care what team you are. Mulcahy does it for Rutgers, right? You know, you Boo Booey does it for Northwestern. There's a lot of guys, a lot of point guards in this league that command that. That's what Michigan struggles with right now. Doug McDaniel's done his best, but he doesn't have that type of command. And, uh, you know, and it takes a special group of teammates to trust a freshman to do that. So these guys deserve a lot of credit for saying, hey, although he's a freshman, when he calls something, we're going to get into it. So, I mean, Sincere is the same way. So, um, Man, that's good on the freshmen. That's good on the guys around them. It is February, so freshmen can't really be counted on to be freshmen anymore if we're going to be talking March here coming up. And appreciate the call, Mark. And back to a, a, another call earlier pointing out, we should give a shout-out to Larry Scarado, Courtney Green, and Edwin Young because we haven't had any referee slander, so we should probably give them a, a little bit of props, right? Uh, so, some good flow to today's game. But I think that's two defensive well defense well well defended teams you know what i'm saying they they play really good defense and, and yeah. after you foul so much the the game before you you see illinois cleaning that up here today so a lot of great thoughts coming in on the fan line they've been blowing up here a busy one after illinois gets a 69 60 win over rutgers we'll get another break we still got to pick out a play of the game and some keys to the game here on the fasteners etc post game show yeah, they're getting good, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Yes, they are. They're getting good, aren't they? Um, yeah, you know, and, and to be honest, I mean, Jaden didn't have one of his better days, mm-hmm. but defensively, yes. we all look, Jaden defensively now, uh, Spencer is a terrific player for them mm-hmm. and and made his life really hard, and, and we felt like we, we isolated the game a little bit, made it a two-on-two middle ball screen game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we wanted to do. Uh, didn't give him a lot of looks. Uh, so Jaden was very good, and then you know the second half, it was, it was sincere, and and I mean Ty Rogers gets every rebound. Yes, you know on this side of the Mississippi, it feels like I mean he just he grabs mm-hmm. everything, and uh, um, you know we turned that 
rebounding side around, you know, to win by five. And uh, that's, that's you know, it's what we keep talking about, defense and rebounding win, and, and uh, that was a big part of it. There's Brad Underwood after the game talking about the freshmen and doing the winning things here in the victory over the Rutgers Scarlet Knights at the State Farm Center. Welcome back, Fasteners, etc. post-game show. Michael Tulip, Evan Kahn with you. You can give us a call, 217-356-9397, or text the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. I, I poked the bear. 217-texter says that just because... The refs didn't make calls doesn't mean that they were good. So, all right, the refs were terrible today. Um, no love for the Zebes on the text line, but that's okay. See, here we go. Here we go. Now they're all coming in. Mr. Crucial Call missed that one, missed that one. I should have never said anything. I'm sorry. But uh, a lot of people talking about Ty Rogers, even Travis Tate here on the text line. Thanks for texting in, Travis, saying that Ty Rogers has to see more playing time. And when he stays out of foul trouble, he stays on the floor. Went in the first half, picked up two quick fouls. Okay, you're coming out. You're not going to see the, the floor. And then in the second half, zero fouls. And he stays on the floor, and he plays, I believe, 13 minutes there in, in the second half. Well, Ty Rogers is probably not going to play as much as anyone wants him to this year. And part of the reason for that is when you talk about giving somebody minutes, got to come from somewhere. Right. And everybody talks about wanting to throw it into Dane Danger. Dane Danger plays 30 minutes today. Coleman Hawkins plays 37. Meyer plays 33. Epps is going to play around 30 and Terrence Chan is going to play around 30. So he's going to live in that 15 to 20 minute range. And that's part of the reason going back to the rotation thing is that if you want more Ty Rogers, you can't play nine or ten guys. If you want more Ty Rogers, you need a you need a seven or eight man rotation. That's how you're going to get more Ty Rogers, because the you know what I don't know how many minutes. Let's see, nine, twelve, so twenty one, twenty eight, thirty eight. Between the starting five, you got forty one minutes to go around. <laughs> I guess I I guess I probably could have just added up the ones off the bench. Um, <laughs> But I wanted to put my math on display there. Uh Um, That's it's all going to depend on how how long you want to play your starters. And for all those guys, Shannon Epps, Meyer Danger, and Hawkins, you can you can argue that they should be on the floor as well. So you get more Ty Rogers when that is a smaller rotation. And I think that's probably what they're going to end up doing because the reality for RJ Melendez is, hey man, when Luke Goody coming back with Ty Rogers emerging, this isn't the time to have a violation of team rules. Like you, he's he's at risk of getting shelved, because uh, because really, I, when you have guys that are playing like this, you become expendable, and and that's what he has to realize. This is not the time for that. Not only just for the team, and you're on this stretch run, it becomes a distraction, but for yourself, man. Mm-hmm. So I look at that. That's kind of what I look at there. But you know, you may get some more minutes. Like Goody's probably going to play more than five minutes. Harris, if he plays the way he plays his A, yeah, probably going to be 15 to 20 minutes. And same thing with Rodgers. So where does that leave R.J. Melendez? Mm. Someone, I mean, somebody is going to be the odd man out. They're not playing nine guys and the four off the bench 15 minutes a game. You can't do it. So some, it's. I hate to break it to, <laughs> to you guys. Someone's minutes are going to suffer slash be at risk of not playing at all. So you got to just, as, as a player, you got to put yourself in the best position to be like, man, that's not going to be me. Trying to thread the needle with so much talent here on this Illini roster as they get 
their eighth win. Yes, eighth win in Big Ten play here today over Rutgers. Back to the fan line. Jeff's up in New York City. Hey, Jeff. Hi, guys. Uh, I'll change the subject a little bit uh, and uh, go back to what I guess counts as a little piece of nostalgia now. But uh, I can uh, clearly remember, and I'm sure you can too, that there was a time when uh, the saying went, you can't lose to Rutgers. And uh, at least for one former Illinois coach, I believe it kind of proved to be a firing offense to do so. And uh, I remember the game. It was John Gross's last season. Midweek, about this time in the season, I believe, we beat Michigan State, which was riding very high in the assembly hall. And we'd been having an up-and-down year. We beat Michigan State. Everybody was saying, okay, we've turned the corner now. We've got to go to play Rutgers in Piscataway, but, you know, we won't have any problem there. Well, we lost. And I was listening to this program after that game. Michael Kaiser was in the chair you're now in, Evan, at the time. And he pretty much – well, not pretty much. He did say on the air – you can't lose to Rutgers like this. Um, it's prob- It's he said, almost certainly uh, going to mark the end of the John Gross era at Illinois, which it, as it turned out, did. Um, I think we obviously traded up in a big way to get Brad, um, and I'm glad to see that the players seem to be responding because. Frankly, I had seen some things from uh, Coach Underwood in uh, the preceding weeks that I've not really ever seen in an Illinois program. I mean, when I read that he left the locker room at halftime, I thought, well, what coach does that? You know, and uh, some of the other things that have been said. I think they won that game. Excuse me? I think they won the game that he left the locker room. They did, but at the same time, it just, let's just say the optics didn't look too good, at least to me. But the most important thing is they came out tonight and uh, beat a Rutgers team that a lot of teams have been losing to that you wouldn't think would. And it, it seems like they're all on the same page now if they ever were not. And I think that's the most important thing. For sure. I've kind of felt that way for the last five or so weeks, really, ever since that Northwestern games, things have seemed to, to, to iron themselves out. And that was the frustrating part early on was, I I think that, that it just wasn't coming together and Underwood was trying everything that he could. And and now he's gotten to the point where it's, it's more of a a hands-off approach because they are all adults in that room. And they've grown up a lot over the last five weeks, I think, individually and as a team. And um, it, you're not going to understand everything that goes in, on in the locker room because we don't have a, a mic and we can't, we can't see and hear everything that's, that's going on. But uh, I, I think after this stretch run here, again, still no back-to-back losses, um, two losses over the last five weeks. Uh, they, they figure it out, and they haven't lost a game in over a month that was you know egregious losing at Iowa isn't that bad I think the the way that you lost to Indiana was frustrating but you'll get that rematch here in exactly one week and, and you'll see if things can get fixed out so uh, 
the, this Illinois team, yeah, I think they, they figured it out internally. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, that matchup with Indiana very much, and as I'm sure you are. And on that note, uh, I'll uh, hang up and listen to the rest of you guys for tonight. Yeah, appreciate it, Jeff, as always. Okay, good night. Yeah, I wanted to touch on, on one thing that he mentioned. I think I mentioned this after the Northwestern game or the home game against Penn State, whichever one it was, but there are certain tactics that you deploy as a coach and your team responds one of two ways. They either buy into it and try to turn things around or they tune you out. And for most coaches in the country, you get tuned out if you haven't won anything. And that's what Underwood has done. He's won. And he's won the past three, four years in this conference. He's got a Big Ten tournament title. He's got a Big Ten regular season title. So because you've done that, there's guys that are like, you know what? You, you probably know what you're talking about because you've done this. You've seen what it takes. And Coleman Hawkins knows that too, right? I, I mean, I, I've mentioned it time and time again on this postgame show, but Coleman Hawkins played two minutes in a win against Wisconsin last year at home. Two minutes. And, or at least I believe is the Wisconsin game. And then two months later, or a month and a half later, whatever it is, he's playing, he has 11 and nine in the conference clinching game. And he could have easily tuned out, been a distraction, violated team rules. He could have done all of that and, and sh- threw himself further and further down the bench to where when it comes tournament time, He's not having a game ceiling block against Chattanooga as much as we didn't want to be in that position against Chattanooga, <laughs> or he's not having a big game in the Big Ten tournament to keep him in it against Indiana. That is what I'm talking about, where you trust a coaching staff that's like, I'm just going to trust him because I know they've done it before. And they've won, so that's where I'm throwing my trust. And that's what I think he had. I think that's what Brad has in that locker room. Mm-hmm. It's truly guys that are like, well, dang, it must be a us thing because he's won before here. And you probably could argue, like, as maybe there was a little blame to go on the coaching staff, but for the most part, as these players being like, damn, we got to start playing together. We got to be more connected. Mm-hmm. And the ownership that you have, that's that's your team. Like, that is what allows you to try to hit your ceiling. So the fact these guys figured it out, the fact they trusted him, speaks volumes. And I think it, it all points to the fact that he's 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 proven that he can win in this league. And that these guys know that. News Talk 1493.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, and Light Rock 97.5 WHMS, Champaign-Urbana, Jeff in New York, Bruce texting in on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line from Houston. Apparently they've got an alumni party, and it would appreciate seeing Paul Mulcahy foul out. We had a texter asking why the, the Orange Crush was booing him, because he's the worst. That's why they were booing Paul Mulcahy, and uh, he fouled out of today's game. Had uh, he, he was a big part of the first half, but they clamped it down in the second half, and the Illini got the win. Um, a lot of texts here that uh, we, we've touched on. Uh, we'll probably get a scoreboard update coming up here, but uh, apparently Satan lost down in Sweet Home, Alabama, so that's nice to, to hear. Illinois gets the win, and let's pick out a Tapman's towing play of the game. Car won't start after the game. Call 217-328-2424 for the most trusted roadside service in downstate Illinois. Tapman's towing, or visit online at tapmanstowing.com. I think you could go a number of different ways here. Harris breaking the seal in the first half as far as three-pointers go. 
that was that was good to see because they they needed the basket and somebody had to to hit a three and the crowd got going and it felt like Illinois really had, had swung the momentum back in their favor at, at that point. Uh, you you talked about the the Coleman Hawkins three that cut it cut the Rutgers lead to three. I thought that was huge because he hadn't hit a three in a long time. It, it felt like and for him to step up and hit it that with confidence was huge. Um, or we could go the, the play where I had signaled it. I can't remember what it stretched the lead out to. I should have written this down here, but, uh, they, they work it inside to, to Dane danger. He goes down on the other end of the floor. He gets the steal. They run a little bit of offense. Matthew Meyer finally hits a, a three and it felt like the, uh, Illini were on their way. So there were a, a, a number of ways that we could go with this one. Yeah, man, I think <laughs> I'm thinking about the threes that they hit in this game. Not only 47-41, because look, when you're when you have a deficit to Rutgers, much like some Wisconsin teams over the years, but that was more because of the ability to take care of the ball. But with this Rutgers team, yeah, a, a seven point deficit feels like twenty. And so if you let them get to ten, or if you let them get a double digit lead on you, they're really hard to crawl back on because of, because of how good they are defensively. So not only the 47-41 three that Coleman hit to make it 47-44, but Terrence Shannon has a three when it's 40-34. to mm-hmm. And they had just turned it over, and things kind of felt like they were sliding in Rutgers' favor. And Terrence hits a three to make it 40-37. to And it's just, man, it, it felt like this Illinois team could not get over the hump. And it, it, was, it was, hey, we'll cut it to three or two, and then we will give you the most boneheaded turnover <laughs> that you could possibly think of. Um, the one on the inbounds that leads to the high at three, you're inbounding the ball down three. It's six because you can't execute the inbounds. Um, just a wacky game. And, and, you know, you only go five for 20 from three and you have 17 turnovers. That that's that should not be good enough to beat Rutgers, but it speaks to your defense. So I, you can you can go any direction you want to go on that. But there, were, there felt like so many big shots because you felt like if they didn't hit them, it was going to extend that lead and become insurmountable. Yeah, absolutely. And Meyer actually got an and one. Uh, he he hit a three on the next one called timeout, yeah. and things were, were kind of over. But they they weren't hitting threes in the first half, but when they were hitting them in rhythm and you're not really thinking about it and you're in the flow of the game, the Illini knocked down some big shots. And, yeah, I think that's the, the way we'll go. And the stretch you're talking about, actually, if I remember correctly, Danger has a layup. Nice, great move to make it 54-47. He comes down steals the ball mm-hmm. i could be i could be making this up this is how i remember it he comes down steals the ball they come down that's when they skip it to meyer and want to make it 56 47 going into the media timeout i that's right. i'd have to check the play-by-play but i think that's that's how i remember it at least that, that's a pivotal pivotal stretch that that is how it was and that stretched it basically to 10 like i i thought it could be at that under eight timeout but uh let's let's give the the three-pointers some love because the Illini yeah. shot 50 percent in the second half and, and we'll give a couple of those our tapman's towing plays of the game so there has to be better ball movement to find open opportunities for him and like this one shannon right wing three is good Couple of feet out beyond the arc, and Shannon with the Illini's second three of the day. Harris into Sincere Harris, 14-20 for the game, 47-41 Rutgers. Now Tom Hawkins for three. Yes. Coleman yes. Hawkins with a right wing three, and it's good to see him shooting those again. Shannon 
with eight to shoot. Backs away. Shannon looking to shoot for three. Got it. That should be the dagger. Shannon with a three. Everybody who plays significant minutes here today scored for the Illini. Got Luke Goody back in there. Only one shot, but nice to see the Hoosier return for the Illini. Those are our Tapman's towing plays of the game. we got to pick out our keys, and not a lot left here on the postgame show. Hang on. It's the Fasteners Etc. postgame show. You can weigh in on today's game by calling the First State Bank Illini fan line, 217-356-9397. Or texting the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Out top to Ty Rogers, entry pass, dangerous spin, up and in. Danger with 13, and the Illini have a lead of 7. 13-0 run. Right of the lane, with it is Rutgers, and Danger rips it away from Wolfel. The big fellow steals it. Harris hopping his way down court. Right wing Hawkins. Hawkins out top to Harris. The Illini reset. Left wing Rogers looking inside for danger. Now to Harris. Harris eight to shoot. In trouble. Now to Meyer. Baseline drive floater. Good. And one. And one. There's that sequence from the second half that was in the middle of a 19-0 run from the Illini, mostly on the backs of some excellent defense as the Illini get their eighth win in Big Ten play here today at the State Farm Center, 69-60 to over Rutgers. Back on the Fasteners, etc. post-game show, Evan and Mike with you. Got to get to our keys. We'll look at the scoreboard as well. You can ring in if you want. Still got some text messages to get here on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line. Uh, 651 texter pointing out that our MX electrifying player of the game, Colin Hawkins, uh, looking more like that NBA guy that most people see uh, here today as he finished with 18, 8, and 4. So that was huge in this Illinois win. There was another text that I wanted to get to as well. Uh, oh, uh, somebody was wondering about a replay, just a, a quick scan. I couldn't see uh, BTN doing a, a replay of the game itself, but uh, maybe FS1 or FS2 might have a, a replay of that. You can check your guide, but uh, the Illini, it wasn't, I don't know, it, it wasn't an ugly game, it wasn't a pretty game, it, it was just kind of a, a college basketball game for, for most of it, uh, not really hitting shots for the majority of it, but uh, the Illini played good defense, they rebounded, and they hit timely shots, as we just pointed out there in our plays of the game. Let's pick out our keys to the game, brought to you by Hickory Point Bank, with roots right here in our Champaign-Urbana community. Hickory Point Bank invested, and by Game Day Spirit, with the best selection of game day apparel. We've covered a lot of it here. Mike, what were your keys to this Illini win? Yeah, I'll keep it short, because I still think that the most important part of this game was that stretch where Hawkins, Shannon, Epps, Rodgers, and Harris were in the game. That, that was my key because the way they guarded ball screens, the way they finished possessions on the glass, they were patient offensively. Uh, Terrence and, and Coleman just kind of became the, the go-to guys there, and they ran good offense, and uh, it was a big reason why they got back into the game. So um, 
that was my key, their, their adjustment. Um, they didn't adjust a ton defensively on, on the ball screens. They just got a little bit more aggressive. They started going over on Mulcahy, um, still and under at times on McConnell. But look, that's Coleman Hawkins at 6'11", guarding ball screens up top. And not a lot of not a lot of teams in the country have that luxury where you can have a guy who's fighting over or going under when you're forcing those tough twos, be it, you know, have it being a guy that's 6'11". So uh, it's part of the reason why they're great defensively. And uh, no surprise that he was on the floor during that that great stretch. Yeah, defense was a, a huge part in, in that stretch and, and throughout the game. And I'll go back to, to rebounding. They were just giving up too many second-chance opportunities and, and taking bad shots in the first half. And when you, you clean up the looks that you're getting so that you're, you're not giving them so many runouts and so many opportunities to, to score on the offensive end and, and then just limiting them to, to one shot and, and getting on the defensive boards after playing really good defense, it, it, it all ties together. Uh, didn't break 70, but the Illini get 69 here in the win over Rutgers. Those are our keys to game by Hickory Point Bank and by Game Day Spirit. We'll take a look at the scoreboard, get any final thoughts you got here on the Fasteners, et cetera, postgame show. Yeah, I don't know what we are in the country now, but we're we're up there. We're up we're up there, and you know it's we challenge shots. We get to the ball. Our our perimeter length mm-hmm. uh, is is really important, and and uh, you know I thought it was just you know Terrence going and knocking one off the backboard, and you know he's our two guard, you know, and you get yeah. and you get Matt, you know, blocking one. You get Coleman and Dane, and all of a sudden you know there's a lot of length at the rim, mm-hmm. uh, and it doesn't come from just a center, you know, like we've right. had in the past with Kofi. It comes from from other positions so a uh, real advantage for us and, and again I think it's something that uh, you know we got to continue to be active you know, and I seven block shots it's about the average per game here they don't have the breakdown of that but that's uh, pretty close to their their Big Ten average here as the Illini shut down Rutgers in the second half only hold them to 26 points and I think some of those came there late as Illinois gets their eighth win to move back into kind of a second tie for second place. I don't know how that works since they're played, they've played one less game than the majority of teams. But either way, eight and five are the Illini here back on the Fasteners, etc. Post game show. Uh, texters coming in. Uh, there's those texts uh, about the referees. We don't have to get back into that. Uh, texter doesn't. says the Big Ten is down overall. I don't know if it was ever really up. This was, I guess, down from last year maybe because you don't have three top ten picks uh, in the sort. But And when they haven't made a deep run, that is most Big Ten teams. But um, I don't know. They can can put it together. I don't think that Illinois is a a team that most most other teams want to match up against because they've created a lot of matchup issues for the Big Ten. I know it's not the most athletic of conferences, but uh, when the Illini play their game, uh, they're they're just as good, if not uh, one of the best teams in the Big Ten. Well, it's funny how we're going to qualify that, right, whether the league's down or not, because what's going to happen is if the Big Ten has four teams go to the Sweet 16 and be like, hey, you know, this conference, man. <laughs> well, so, so we'll see what happens there, but there are a lot of star-studded guys if you want to look at it that way um and when you talk about nba talent but look johnny davis isn't even in the league right now Mm-mm. uh jay Nivey's 15 a game for the pistons he's he's playing pretty well 
you know, obviously Kofi was another guy. He's over in Japan. Um, there's going to be more NBA draft picks this year that come out of the Big Ten than last year, mm-hmm. um, which is which is kind of crazy to think about. And Illinois is going to have at least two of them. Um, you know, Zach Eadie's going to get drafted. Trace Jackson Davis is going to get drafted. Um, Chris Murray, I saw on a mock draft going sixth overall, uh, just like his just like his brother. Even though his, I know his brother went fourth, but um, you know, a top six pick. You got Jet Howard's going to go in the lottery most likely. Bryce Sensabaugh is going to be a first round pick. I mean, you got a lot of NBA talent in this in this league, and um, it just all depends how you qualify. I mean, you know, remember a couple of years ago in 2021 and the NCAA tournament? I mean, the Pac-12 wasn't a good conference. And all of a sudden, UCLA goes far. Oregon State goes to its Sweet 16. You're like, man, we really slept on the Pac-12. It's like, did we? Or did they have a good you know, couple weeks in March and have some good matchups? And Oregon State, I, I know Loyola beat Illinois, but you got Oregon State going to a, a Sweet 16. And um, I don't know. I, I don't, You could like it at a, both, at a lot of different ways. But I want to mention this before we – I want to put a bow on this postgame show. I want to go back to something a caller said. About the 0405 freshman. Darren Williams in the house, by the way, today. Shout out out Darren. I want to make make something very clear. And we can do this sometimes. You know, we get kind of wrapped up in the now and we're coming off a game where the freshmen were really good today. So that's immediately what we extrapolated to. There are different levels to how you grade a, a recruiting class and what that recruiting class does. And I think once you know that criteria, you're able to accurately grade this particular recruiting class. So let's think about really the four pillars of a recruiting class, in my opinion, when it comes to the length of their college careers. Was it a star-studded class coming in? Okay, that's the first phase of it. Did that class contribute to sustained winning in the conference? That's the second phase. Did they have success in March, in April? And then what, you know, where did those guys end up professionally? Did they play in the league? You know, were they drafted? All those things. To recap for the 0405, <laughs> really could not have been more star-studded with who they brought in. Especially, I mean, obviously Luther, D, and Darren contributing to winning, sustained success in the conference. Yeah. Uh, March and April success. You go to a national championship. I think that checks that box. And then you have two first-round picks. You have a third overall pick, obviously, with Darren. Luther goes 24th, and D is a second-round pick. So all three of those guys got drafted. That's going to be really hard to touch. And I'm not even talking about just with these Illinois recruiting classes, with any recruiting class. That's hard to check all those boxes. You have star-studded classes that don't contribute to winning in the conference, that don't have success in the tournament, but maybe still end up being good NBA prospects. You have you know, lower level classes that end up having success in the tournament that aren't NBA prospects. You have prospects that aren't all three of those that end up being NBA prospects. Very rarely do you check all those boxes. And I think that's why that 0405 class just kind of sits above the rest, cut above the rest, and is probably going to stay there because they did all that. And that's not an indictment on this current class. Because I think this current class, although maybe not star studded, um, great. I mean, four stars, great in that department, but I think they can live in that area of, Hey, contributed to winning in the conference. And depending on how the, the tourney success shakes out over the years, then maybe you can check that box 
as well. But I think to be able to check those middle two boxes is huge. And that, and that's really all you want. You can have NBA prospects that don't really do anything for your team or contribute to winning, Bryce Sensible. And you can also have star-studded classes that don't amount to anything. So I would much rather have the middle two where it's their contribute to winning, contributing to building a culture and having success in March and April. You know, the latter and, and really the middle part as a whole, we'll see, remains to be seen. But shoot, if you can have that, I think you can't complain. Trying to strike the balance. Illinois wins over Rutgers here today. Fasters, et cetera, post-game show. Let's see what else is going on here around college basketball because – as I was noting with Joey Wright, who comes in to catch us up on the scoreboard, not a whole lot happening tomorrow with the big game. That's right. Uh, and a busy day today in the top 25, so that equates to a, a pretty quiet day in the Big Ten. Not a lot going on. There is a game right now in the Big Ten in overtime. Nebraska at home up on Wisconsin, 69-63. They've got about a minute left. Hurry over to Big Ten Network to watch the end of that one. And on ESPN News right now, number 18, Indiana, is trailing Michigan on the road 17-13. 13 minutes left in the first half. I assume that's going to flip over to big or maybe ESPN2, uh, ESPN. It's gonna. I don't think it's going to stay on ESPN News. <laughs> I don't think so because OT in a game that you're, you'll probably come up on here. Absolutely. We'll get there in just a second. The other Big Ten game, Maryland hosting and beating Penn State today's 74 68 the final there busy day though as you mentioned evan in the top 25 running through some key top 25 action tcu and baylor coming down to the wire we've got that on in the tv in our studio tcu at home and trailing 68 70 10 seconds left i make that eight seconds left in the second half they're reviewing something i think it's an out of bounds play so that's going to be a big review we'll keep that posted Keep you posted on that one as it uh, wraps up. On Fox, number 25, San Diego State. Going to take down UNLV, 41 seconds left. And San Diego State's up 82-71. Number 8, Virginia. That's the overtime game you were talking about, Evan. They are uh, beating Duke, 66-62 in overtime, 28 seconds left on ESPN. Number 6, Tennessee, hosting and leading Missouri, 17-14. 12-23 left in the first half there. Number 11, Iowa State knotted up with Oklahoma State. It's early, 13 minutes left in that one in Iowa. That's one of those Big 12 games that winds up on ESPN3. So <laughs> get to your computers for that one. Number 15, St. Mary's is at Portland and winning 13-7. 13-09 left in the first half on CBS Sports Network. And a couple games have gone final in the top 25 tonight, uh, or today, I should say, looking at some key ones. Number five, Texas, their 20th win. They beat West Virginia 94-60. to Number 10, Marquette takes down Georgetown 89-75 on the road. St. John's upsets Providence at home 73-68. Number 22, NC State, a 30-point winner at Boston College, 92-62. I lost my track. Lost my track. There's there. a lot. There's a yeah. lot of games. My to... app just updated and it, it <laughs> moved my position there. But uh, yes, they they do score a big win there. Does NC State over Boston College? A lot to keep track of, indeed. Number 23, Creighton hosts and beats UConn, 56-53. That one came down to the wire. Number three, Alabama. I heard you allude to this earlier, Evan. They beat Auburn, 77-69 at Auburn. And a couple fun ones tonight, still to tip off. Number four, Arizona is at Stanford. Number seven, UCLA is at Oregon. And number 16, Gonzaga will host 
BYU, that's about everything relevant in the top 25. I do want to sneak in a couple of Missouri Valley Conference scores before okay. we wrap up. Bradley, big winner at home against Murray State today, 83-48. Go Braves. Belmont hosts and beats UIC, 98-71. Drake topples Southern Illinois. I don't know if you'd call that a surprise, but um, maybe a surprise by how much they won by 82-59. Southern Illinois didn't have it today. Mm. Illinois State will tip off at Valparaiso at 6 o'clock on ESPN3. And one more, Indiana State, 80 at Northern Iowa, 62. Your final there. So many games, a lot of them happening here today. Joey Wright keeping us up to date on what's going on. Thank you, Joey. Not a whole lot of teams winning on the road either, especially in the Big Ten. So you got to protect home court. The Illini do that today with the win over Rutgers. We'll give last call, final thoughts after this. Now throws it on the left wing. Four shot is short. Thrown up on the left wing. Missed badly that time by Hyatt. Coming the other way. Harris for three. Got it. Harris with a three. Timeout Rutgers. Looks for help. He's in trouble. Now to Rogers. Right of the lane. Tie. Out top. Left side Hawkins with eight to shoot. Pass in the corner. Meyer. Right side three is good. couple more highlights from the Illini's win here today. Sincere Harris, perfect from the field, five points in 19 minutes off of the bench and sensational defense as well. Matthew Meyer, scoreless in the first half, gets it going in the second half, finishes with eight points, eight boards in 33 minutes, and the Illini are 17-7 and overall. They head on the road Tuesday to Penn State here as we're Kind of in the gauntlet towards the end of the season here with that Minnesota move. So get ready for it. Fasters, etc. Postgame show. Final thoughts here. Michael Tulip, Evan Kahn with you. Joey Wright's been helping us out as well. 217 Texter loved the lob inbounds to Hawkins for the oop. That was a good one. And uh, when the Illini were running good offense, they were scoring some points and the defense was a big part of the 19-0 run in the second half that got the Illini the win. So, Mike, with Penn State coming up on Tuesday, I feel like you can throw out what happened in the first game because, well, this is a completely different team, different operation than what they were, were playing with back on December 10th. Feels like so long ago. Yeah, it does. And I think... <laughs> I don't know. There's there's something about playing at Penn State. You know, they they beat Indiana by almost 20 there. They smoked Michigan by 20 there. Um, Wisconsin obviously got them in OT uh, a couple weeks ago, but that's that's not an easy place to play. I think I I think Iowa, uh, Indiana, and Michigan all lost there. Um, they Michigan State was able to go in there and win and. Um, and I think Wisconsin was the only other one. So it's not an easy place, but I'm fascinated to see how they maneuver these lineups because I think – I don't know how much Ty Rogers played in that Penn State game back in, you know, whatever that was. Actually, I can I can, I can can tell you right now, he played 14 minutes. Uh, he may see more because I 
you, it's going to be a, a pick and choose where do we want to play Dane Danger and run the risk of having him have to chase on the perimeter and mm-hmm. uh, contest threes. That's that's what Penn State does. They make 10 threes a game. Um, and then you hope that maybe you can exploit that on the other end. But this game is going to be won and lost on how they defend uh, Jalen Pickett. That He just absolutely killed them last game. And you got to decide if you want to trap on Pickett. Um, I, they shoot well from three, but at least from there you can get it out of his hands and not have him back you down or get you in foul trouble. Uh, and he played all 40 minutes last game, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him do the same this time. So key to the game is what they do with Danger. Do they play a lot of Coleman at the five? And how do they guard Jalen Pickett? Saw a lot of Coleman at the five here today and had success with it. Penn State has lost four in a row. Three of those four have come on the road, though, and the Illini have won four of five as they get back on the winning side here today against Rutgers so that's gonna do it we appreciate everybody who called in texted in a lot of activity from the fans here after this one we always appreciate that interaction thank you Joey Wright behind the scenes as always thanks for breaking it down with us Mike we'll talk to you again on Tuesday sounds good thanks man all right we'll be back actually first for sports talk on Monday we'll have the whole rundown except for no coaches show because they will be in pursuit to Penn State so sports talk at four game day at four on Tuesday against Penn State from Happy Valley that's gonna do it enjoy the rest of your weekend we'll talk to you next week good night The preceding program was an exclusive presentation of News Talk 1493.9 FM WDWS and Light Rock 97.5 FM WHMS Champaign-Urbana, Champaign Multimedia Group Stations.